Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Investing from A to Z podcast. I'm your host, Steph Bodrini. We provide straightforward information by bringing excellent guests with real-world experience in all topics related to commercial real estate investing. And in today's episode, as promised a couple of months ago, we are going to dive deeper into the metaverse and some people actually did not understand what this was all about. So we will start with the very basics to clear up things for everybody so we're all at the same level. And then we will jump into opportunities, why this could be big for you guys and why maybe it's a, an interesting thing to diversify your real estate investing or virtual <laughs> estate investing in your portfolio. We are chatting with Dave Carr. He is the head of BizDev at Parcel. And prior to that, he was working at Decentraland for almost three years, which is one of the most popular metaverses out there. We are breaking down this interview into two parts, mainly because I had a lot of questions. Here we go. Dave, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really, really, really excited to have you here because I think the metaverse could be the next huge, huge thing in the next decade. First, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm Dave Carr. I'm head of business development at Parcel. Parcel is a marketplace for for virtual real estate in the metaverse. And I joined Parcel after two and a half years at Decentraland, which is one of the more established virtual worlds, kind of the old guard, which seems a bit strange to say, given how new everything in the metaverse is, but it's, it's as I say, one of the, most, one of the more established uh, virtual worlds and has quite recently seen a big uh, increase in virtual land sales. Beyond that, my background extends to video games, toys, entertainment. I've worked in product and, and brand development as a creative dire uh, director, content strategist. So I've always kind of been around this space of, um, yeah, new, new ideas and new worlds. And the metaverse is a very creative and exciting place currently being developed. So I would love to start from the beginning and help our actual real estate investors that are investing in real estate in the real world or in the physical world as I was recently educated. What is it from someone that would potentially not even know what this is to begin with? The metaverse is, I think, let me think, because I've had to explain this a few times in very, very basic terms, most recently to my parents who are just kind of like, <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? <laughs> and I think a really good way to think of the metaverse is a more immersive version of the internet. So what we're talking about is in the very early days of the internet, you would go to very specific websites. We still do, but it's there's a lot more a lot more complication involved now with with the internet. It's very much a seamless part of our lives, but you would very much visit these destinations and you would do things, and then you would go to another website. I think we can look at the current virtual worlds as these new new versions of these websites that you would use to visit. If we take an example of Decentraland, you can access via your regular browser. There are other virtual worlds you can access from a desktop client, so like an app that you would put onto your computer. There are some worlds that you can access through your, your virtual reality headset, and you are effectively walking, or your avatar, I should say, is, is walking around and, and able to look around and see buildings that have been created. You're able to play games. 
it's what we say is an immersive version of the internet. And then where the, that internet element comes into it is obviously brands and organizations can have an existence and a, and a profile in these virtual worlds whereby because of its interactive nature, you can interact with brands. And so what that means for virtual real estate is that, that if I am walking through a virtual world, I'm walking around on land and that land can be purchased and that land can be used to create a shop front, a game world, an art gallery, all sorts of different uh, mechanisms and experiences for the people who are logging in and walking around these worlds to interact with an, an experience. And I think if any of your listeners, and I'm sure they would have children, they will see their kids playing on Roblox or maybe in Fortnite. So for the next generation coming up, they are native to this experience. They understand yeah. the notion of using an in-game token to buy a skin for their car <laughs> or to buy uh, uh, something for the house that they've built. They're creating these incredible worlds in Minecraft. And in the case of what we call the decentralized metaverse, and I can explain a little bit more about the difference between that and let's say what Facebook is building, but it means that you have cryptocurrency that is unique to that world that cryptocurrency or that token can be used to buy the land. It can be used to buy things from uh, traders and creators who are, who are putting up these stores in the metaverse, in these virtual worlds. And you as the user will own this thing that you buy as someone who buys land in the metaverse, you will own that land um, and it will be unique to you. It will be, you will not be able to create a copy of that. And that, I think, is a fairly straightforward description of, of the metaverse and, and what virtual land is. So, you know, besides being able to create a store in your real estate or a game, is there anything else that people should understand as to why they should invest in the metaverse? Yeah, and, and I think if, if anybody who's reading articles about a land rush in the metaverse, you know, this race to buy properties in places like Decentraland or another very popular one is the Sandbox. You know, if you've been reading about this, you'll have seen that Snoop Dogg has bought a large parcel of land. Others who have been keen to kind of capitalize that have bought properties nearby and paid huge amounts of money. And then you see a whole heap of other virtual worlds coming up and land is a very much a component of, of what they're offering. So for the investor community, the reason why they're going in and buying land is because they see that in the long term, if we are talking about this being the next version of the internet, then uh, it's very much having those pieces of real estate that will be potentially high trafficked areas and potentially resold to brands who are also looking to get a foothold in, in this space. Uh, if people are going to be spending a lot of time in the metaverse and we're going to be doing a lot more daily interactions within the metaverse than to hold land in that space, I think is, um, is seen as valuable. There's another perspective if you are part of that creative class. And, and I guess this comes down to who are the types of people who are buying in the metaverse. You have that investor group, you have the, the creators who want to, uh, if it, let's, let's take the example of fashion, which I think is going to be a, a big area in 2022. In fact, many of the, the big purchases of the last month or so have been fashion related. If you have a label, you're able to purchase uh, land and put up a storefront and attract users to your store and sell 
items that can then be transferable for physical items potentially. There are organizations that exist, and I speak uh, specifically of, of Boson Protocol, for example, who bought a large parcel of land and who are bridging the gap between virtual assets and physical assets. So you can redeem for physical assets in the physical world and vice versa. And then also brands and organizations are buying into the metaverse as well because they see that there is a growing number of people who are existing in this space and creating and enjoying concerts and art galleries, et cetera. And so they obviously want to be where the foot traffic is. So I think you're probably looking at three kind of main types of people who are getting into this at the moment. I get the part that we don't have to deal with tenants. We don't have to deal with leaky roofs or cleaning up after anything. You can lease the property out. Is there anything else that an investor would be able to monetize uh, within the metaverse that we haven't covered yet? I think uh, anybody looking to buy land in a virtual world um, really needs to think about the long game. Let's think about it like a video game. You can be a, a console owner, like you can own PlayStation, you can own Xbox, Nintendo, but if you don't have the games and the experiences on that console, it's just a box. And I think you could probably think about this the same way with virtual worlds. You can build these worlds, you can sell the land, but if there is not value being added to these properties in the form of festivals or games that people enjoy playing or content that makes people want to visit and also come back and revisit, then the land will not have the value. And I think mm. this, is, this is very much an economy that is going to be creator-driven. There appears to be a lot of benefit to getting in early and to investing. And I think anybody who's looking to buy needs to do their homework on what is the community doing? What is the long-term goal? What partnerships are they creating with brands, with organizations, with creators? How are they incentivizing users? So are there benefits to users coming in and creating things? You know, we see a lot of different uh, mechanisms like um, play to earn. You'll, you'll start seeing things like build to earn. So you'll be compensated for building. In terms of monetizing and, and earning a return on your investment, I think it all comes down to what you do with the land. As a landowner, you can rent that land. So there can be a rental income. There are also things like fractionalization. So you could potentially divide up the land and sell off those individual parcels. Now that could be to an advertising company to put up advertising experiences or billboards, let's say, or it could be in the case of a tower block, renting out different spaces within that tower block. There are metaverse projects out there that are looking into these different types of, of arrangements and selling off land in that respect from a, a like a tower perspective or a piece of real estate that's not just that foundational piece of land. And I think it's important to remember that when you buy land, you're buying an NFT and uh, NFTs are, are obviously, well, I think it was like the word of the year. Somebody <laughs> determined that it was the word of the year in 2020, which is not surprising. But I think when people think of NFTs, they think of CryptoPunks or Board Ape Yacht Club, these digital artworks, these avatars, and NFTs are much more than that. And NFTs are the underlying uh, mechanism or foundation for land, which means that they are not transferable, that they are unique. They have that underlying code and, and contract that makes them unique. So when you own that, the possibilities will be in place to rent that land out, fractionalize that land, shared ownership, all of these sorts of things. 
But on top of that, I really feel that it's going to be what you do with the land that makes still a difference. And if you're not a creative person, but you still want to invest, well, then that's when things like rentals and fractionalization come into it because you could rent to somebody who could do something incredible with it. And that's where I think investors are seeing seeing that opportunity is to buy up land in these strategic areas, of maybe across different worlds and waiting for the, the mainstream to catch on and, and want to have a part of that. And then they hold the key, so to speak. Well, thanks for going into the, the being able to subdivide your land. That was going to be one of my questions. So does that mean that I could build a multifamily apartment complex in the metaverse or a condo and sell each unit? Yeah, I imagine that's entirely possible. And again, that comes down to fractionalization. If you look at some of the things that are coming up with just digital art NFTs, whereby let's say a group of people on their own individually, they can't afford to buy this one piece of art. So they pull their resources. They then identify those pieces that they each want to have shared ownership in. So yes, just as a developer puts up a building and then each of those different apartments are bought by different people and they form that body corporate that ends up managing the building, then I think there's no reason why this couldn't happen uh, in a virtual world, let's say. To understand this better, the way that we could today subdivide that parcel into other parcels is just by selling to a group of people instead of actually subdividing it in the metaverse, is that correct? Oh yeah, that, and, and my example before was, was um, how fractionalization works with, with that particular type of NFT. I, I think there's every possibility that you would be able to take the overall piece of land and then to subdivide that. There are organizations and companies working on that. I know that Parcel, the business that I work for, will support fractionalization down the track. Got At the it. moment, it's, it's early days and it will happen. If people have got the idea, they'll find a way to make it happen. And the technology exists that will enable it to happen. Okay. So it's not there today, but people are working on it. Yeah, I mean, don't quote me on that, but as far as yeah. I understand, it's still in the works. Yeah, particularly from a land perspective, yeah. Okay. So how do I know that my parcel that I'll be buying is in a good location within the metaverse? Yeah, so a lot of people buy um, virtual land and are very strategic about where they have it. A lot of the advice that I see comes down to, well, you want to be in a good position in terms of foot traffic, That makes sense because avatars and you, you know, users via their avatars do port to a certain area. And if there is a lot going on in that area, then they will move around between, between the different experiences. I think one of the other things you have to consider, though, is that just as you can port into an area, you can port out of an area. You don't have to walk. I think... This idea of foot traffic is a very physical world concept that's kind of been applied to the metaverse and it's not always applicable. I think if you think about uh, investment in land from a precinct perspective or a district, if a district is devoted to festivals or a district is devoted to games, then you're more likely to, as a user, stay in that area and move between the different experiences in that area without porting to another place in the virtual world. And again, that resonates for someone looking to buy land and the thought that what do I want to own the land for if I think that games are going to be a big thing in the metaverse uh, or this virtual world which looks like it will specialize in games and, and we see the sandbox which is doing lots of partnerships with game makers and it enables its creators to 
make games and, and monetize those games, then an investor might see, okay, well, I think games in the metaverse are going to be a very big thing. And so therefore the sandbox is probably a more attractive prospect in mm. terms of investment. So yeah, I think it's about understanding the different destinations and what they'll be used for. And I think that can help to determine exactly where you might want to park your money. I didn't know that Sandbox was mainly focused on gaming. That's a good piece of information. Yeah. I spoke with a friend who told me that avatars could not be transported somewhere else. And that was one of the benefits. So they can, you can just click a button and be somewhere else. Is that correct? Within, yeah, the specific virtual world, yes, you can move between places on the map. Okay. So, for example, in Decentraland, you have a, an art district which has where all of the galleries that host digital art are clustered. So, it makes sense for your avatar to walk between those areas. And that's why Got Sotheby's, it. for example, recreated its, uh, its London gallery inside that general area. It doesn't make any sense to open the map, click on the spot when you can easily just walk there. So that makes sense. So therefore, if you feel that art is going to remain a really big feature or if it's gaming or if it's fashion, so there's a fashion district in Decentraland as well, or if you think hanging out with Snoop Dogg is going to be the thing that everybody wants to do, then you're likely to buy land close to that area. So you're going to capture people who are moving to that position. But ultimately, as I've said, it really comes down to what's happening on that land. And that's what's going to draw people to that real estate. And which can also change overnight, right? If I have today a store in my piece of land, tomorrow I can have a home, correct? Absolutely, yeah. And particularly if you're leasing that land to somebody, then yeah. uh, depending on the agreement, then the builder on that land is able to effectively do what they like. And in a lot of cases, builders will submit architecture and designs to a, a general creator pool and a landowner can pull down different things to the land and try things out for a while, remove that, try mm. something else. So there's a lot of flexibility with what you can do with that real estate. And I think this brings up another interesting point about concept called interoperability, which is the ability for people, creators and owners of various different assets to pick up their stuff, not the land itself, that stays where it is, but to pick up and move those assets between different worlds. So for an investor looking for a spread across different worlds, interoperability is, is an interesting concept because they can effectively pick up their assets and drop them between Decentraland, let's say, and the Sandbox or CryptoVoxels or one of the other you know, many worlds that, that exist. So the assets are being created that will make sense as I, I use that example of the console. So the game that you can play on PlayStation is also the game that can be played on Xbox. There are many, many companies uh, developing that technology. So mm -hmm. it, it truly becomes this open metaverse. And that goes hand in hand with what you mentioned earlier, which is what is Facebook building versus Sandbox and the Central Land and these other metaverses. Is that correct? Yeah, so Facebook slash Meta is in all likelihood going to be a, a centralized metaverse. And, and what that means is that it is a, a, a walled garden. It is a, a curated experience and it's not an experience that people can own. I think there'll be some ownership there, but in the case of a decentralized metaverse, like a Decentraland or a Sandbox, the, the world is owned and governed by the people who own land and hold tokens in those worlds. So that means they have the ability to submit policy ideas that are voted on by the community and then are enacted as laws, if you like. 
that's how the, the community develops. And that's what we mean by a decentralized open metaverse. And after Meta announced that it was going to build the metaverse, which put a lot of people's noses out of joint because they argued that, well, the metaverse is, is already being built. Uh, yeah. you, you found these two teams kind of coalesce into the open metaverse, mm-hmm. you know, that are, that are owned and governed. And, you know, I, I'm a landowner. I, I hold tokens. I get to vote on what I believe the world should be as opposed to, you know, Facebook or Roblox or Fortnite or whatever Epic Games is coming out with, which are, as I say, the, the, the curated experience. And you, you'd, have to, you'd have to imagine that given its wildly successful business model, Meta would likely want to maintain control over the development of the metaverse experience that it's building. It, it wouldn't be handing that over to the community to, like, you own this now, that would just be Got giving it. away its business. So... That, that kind of gives you an idea of, of how those two tribes, if you like, are, are shaping up. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to our newsletter, which is super short, straightforward and sweet, just like this podcast at monicarlorei.com on top of the page. And I will see you next time.